Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of Inside the Tunnel. I'm your host, Andrew Walker. Oh, I've been planning this for weeks and we're finally going to do it. We're recapping the 2019 inaugural season of the Canadian Premier League. But I won't be alone as I have two special guests with me, Patrick Sweet from Northern 90 and Adam Kostinyuk from the Young Gaffers. They'll join me to provide their thoughts on the first CPL season. That includes the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Cue the highlights. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Are you ready? Get ready, though. Get ready. That's a decent looking ball. The header came through, and the first Pacific FC goal has been scored by the skipper. He's done really well. Oh, he scored on his debut. A dream debut for Prince Amanda, just 18 years of age. For the first time, a Canadian Premier League side has defeated a club team from Major League Soccer. The CPL spring and fall seasons wrapped up last weekend, and boy, did it provide fans across the country with some entertaining soccer. We saw first goals from U-Sports student-athletes making their professional debut, creative chants from the supporters, community involvement from all clubs, and a squad that took down an MLS team in the Canadian Championship. We also saw some downs, technical difficulties, scheduling conflicts, and the first firing last week. But all in all, the league managed to keep fans entertained, and it was awesome to witness some firsts as a reporter. My next guest will agree. Let's start in the West Coast, where Adam Kustanyuk from the Young Gaffers joins us from Victoria. Hello, Gaffer Adam. Hey, how's it going, Andrew? Thank you so much for having I'm thrilled to have you here, and you'll be in Calgary fairly soon, if I recall. I am. I'm coming to, I'm coming to the old stomping ground to visit uh, family and friends. Hopefully we can uh, catch up face-to-face. It's, I, mi- I miss you. Oh, well, I miss you too. <laughs> Definitely. Well, there's a lot to talk about, uh, the good and the bad, but what were your impressions and what was it like to cover Pacific FC? Oh, uh, the memories are too many to count. I think definitely, I mean, there were there were certainly a number of milestones. First game at West Hills, you know, which also uh, involved the first goal, the first clean sheet, uh, memorable goals. Um, you know, it was great to see, it's always great to see folks coming together, uh, for any common purpose. So, you know, just to see fans of all ages in the stands, um, you know, I was mentioning earlier that the, the ownership group in Victoria, Dean Shillington, Josh Simpson and Rob Friend, they all take so much care, um, um, in terms of stewarding the club and, you know, they want to win, they care exorbitantly uh exorbitantly about the community um and bringing you know pro soccer to to the island and to the capital region district sounds great so what were some of the pros of the first cpl season Ooh, that's uh that's interesting certainly i i do think certainly the u sport draft was a great idea when it was first announced i was a little skeptical because i thought uh you know as particularly with a professional sports league it would be interesting to see players you know be drafted and sign and then play for like two-thirds of the season and go back to school um, as it turns out I think most of the players who certainly broke into regular roster spots with the exception of uh, Peter Shala um, you know took the plunge and decided to uh, at least in the interim pursue their dream of professional sports so I think that was absolutely fantastic um, in general, giving meaningful minutes to young Canadian talent, period, uh, not just the U-sports athletes. Caden Chung, 
who was the first signing um, uh, announced out here on the island, is a classic example. He's a guy who was involved in the you know the the national program um, and was just looking for meaningful minutes. Um, he's really blossomed uh, and and grown as a player throughout the season. Certainly, from a league wide standpoint, that came to fruition with players being called up to the uh, senior men's national team here in Canada. Uh, you know, Noah Verhoeven um, on a training in in a training capacity, Marco Carducci, uh, so on and so forth. So. Mm-hmm. And I agree with Verhoeven. He had a great season and uh, improved from his time at UBC. Uh, also, Jose Hernandez, he was really good too. For sure. Definitely. Definitely. Lots of great young talent. Which, And I think it's, um, it's, uh, it's proven to be uh, a young man's league. Now, there were some cons. Uh, what were they and how do you think the league can improve? Uh, you know, I, I really enjoy, this is a very controversial thing. Um, I've, I've been reading the socials lately, but I, you know, I, I initially I found the season format was a, 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 to be a fantastic idea to split the season into two, you know, quote unquote halves and avoid the trappings, uh, that we have in North American sports with a, a playoff format and just to have the final contested between two teams. But I think with, with two clubs having having kind of run away with the standings for most of the season and being a, a little bit ahead of the rest of the pack, I think it made for some, uh, you know, dull uh, last few weeks. Uh, you know, I think it was hard to keep uh, to see the interest level in some of the uh, some of the cities where some of the you know eliminated clubs uh, were playing some home games. I, I actually would like to see honestly a single season format um, and some sort of Playoffs light, some mini playoffs. Maybe the the top four clubs out of seven make it. Now, speaking of young guns, what did you think of the U Sports draft picks? Uh, who shined? Well, I think, uh, firstly, I was thoroughly impressed with how many players actually really were able to break into the rosters of their respective clubs on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, starting from the East, if you look at the Wanderers in Halifax, you had Andre Bona. And Peter Shala, both real stalwarts on the back line. I think Peter Shala probably would have made a strong case for himself as being the MVP of the club if he hadn't have chosen to go back to school um, at the end of the summer. Christian Oxner, you know, was uh, with Halifax, was the third U Sports draft pick. I mean, he was, in essence, their number one keeper. He played more games than Jan Michael Williams. Um, you know, moving. Westward, you have uh, Connor James with Edmonton. Uh, you know he made a name for himself uh, in between the sticks for them. Easton Ongaro, one of the uh, one of the goal scoring leaders in the league. You know he was a lot of people forget he was drafted uh, in the U Sports draft by Cavalry, and they actually uh, cut him. And then uh, Edmonton um, were fortunate enough to have signed him. And once he overcame his injury, I mean he was bagging goals like it was nothing. Um, in Calgary, pardon me, with Cavalry, you have Joel Waterman, who, uh, you know, again, suffered from some injury troubles towards the end of the season, but was really a, a linchpin on their back line. And then, you know, we mentioned Zach Verhoeven. Um, I think he's been the biggest success so far, and um, it's been fantastic watching him play. Yeah, you did a great interview with him. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, on last week's episode. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I think when you speak with him, you can really hear that um, not only does he have the physical talent, but he has a good head on his shoulders. And 
you know, the confidence level in him just grew and grew and grew as the season progressed. And I mean, he was always a very talented player, but I think he's a much better player now than he was uh, when the season kicked off at the end of April. Yeah, and I called for the Uvic Vikes a couple seasons ago, and I remember calling Verhoeven and Connor James. They were really impressive to watch, but Verhoeven has really improved from his days at UBC, and the same thing with uh, Connor James for Alberta. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity for these these players, and I mean, some are going to sink and some are going to swim, and it's really impressive to see how many of them sort of uh, rose above and were able to adapt to that professional environment this year. All right. Final moments here with Adam Kostniak from the Young Gaffers. What do you expect might happen during the off season and uh, for next year? Uh, you know, I, I it's tough to say. I could see many of the clubs and the league itself uh, doing some minor tweaks, uh, maybe some course correction. But I think, you know, I think it's important that they kind of stick with the formula and stick with it. And, um, you know, it becomes one of those, if you build it, they will come sort of things. I think the real, um, the real interesting metric is going to be the season ticket renewal rate and how many folks, uh, you know, who maybe came to a, a match or two this, this inaugural season choose to purchase season tickets and, uh, you know, take the plunge and commit. So I think that'll be very interesting I, I don't really expect a lot of changes with uh, management. Of course, Michael Silberbauer, unfortunately, became the first uh, managerial casualty uh, a few days ago. I know some folks have doubts about uh, Rob Gale. Personally, I think he's going to be around next year. Um, I don't see any, t- any changes. I think it's important that, um, you know, especially in the early days, there's some stability built. I think most of the turnover is actually going to be with the rosters. Yeah, speaking of Silberbauer, uh, what was the mood like in Victoria after his release? Uh, it caught me by surprise, but was there a big cloud over the fans, uh, especially during the final home game? I think before the, the before the game, if you were in the beer gardens or out at the tailgate or just sort of walking around, um, I think it did actually. I think uh, I think it was interesting timing uh, from a lot of people's perspective. Of course, once the ball gets kicked. And, you know, the, 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 the club really rose to the occasion. The players did. They, they turned in a good effort in front of a packed house. Of course, they won 2-0. And I think everybody was quick to forget about that after. I mean, you know, I think some questions uh, still remain as to, you know, the, uh, the, the true reasoning behind the timing and so on. But I think if it was mostly intended as a wake-up call, um, um, as you know, Rob Friend stated uh, in the media, then I think the players definitely responded. You've both spoken to Michael many times. He was always uh, a lovely guy to chat with, both on the record and off the record. I think he really enjoyed uh, chatting with folks who knew and understood the game. All right, final question. Who's going to win, Cavalry or Forge? Ooh, I got to go. <laughs> this is interesting because to me, this is these are two very prog- progressive clubs who play a slightly different style. Uh, you know, Forge, very free-flowing. Cavalry, very, very organized. I think uh, I think Forge are going to take the first leg 2-0 um, uh, at home. And then I think Cavalry are going to take the second leg 2-0 uh, at home. And then I think we're going to go to penalties to settle it. I'm calling 3-2 Cavalry. 3-2 Cavalry. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, thanks again. And I'll see you in a few weeks. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait to see you, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
shot there, makes its way through, and it is in for a Halifax goal. How about that? Karuma once again making his mark here in the Canadian Championship. Shot from distance from Aparicio, and it's a stunning strike. The skipper with the goal of the week, maybe even the month as his teammates come over to collect. Good move. Inside the six, he's dancing. Skips it over the goalkeeper. Oh, my word. Cadell Thomas, silky, smooth, slick. So we heard from Adam in the West. Now we go all the way out east to Halifax, where Patrick Sweet from the popular Northern 90 podcast joins us. Welcome, Patrick. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. What did you think of your first CPL season and uh, covering Halifax? Man, it's it's been a wild ride. It's hard to it's hard to imagine we're already here at at, at the the conclusion of the season. Um, it seems you know to to be maybe a bit trite. It seems like just yesterday uh, we were just seeing our, our our first games, and yeah, I think that's the the take home message for me is it's still a little bit surreal that we we made it here. We started off with a bang, and haven't looked back since. Absolutely. Let's start with the league. What did they do that really impressed you? Oh, I honestly, almost everything. Um, I, I really, uh, I'm, I'm really, really happy with not just the, the, the product on the pitch, but also the, the business end of things too. You know, signing, signing that big deal with, with, uh, uh, with Media Pro, um, and, and starting in a lot of ways relatively modestly. Like a lot of people kind of kind of poo-pooed the whole not having a big deal with with TSN, for example. I, I don't think that was such a, a terrible idea. You know, we have to, in my own mind anyway, think of the league as uh, as a startup. And one of the things you have to really pay attention to when you are a startup is not getting too big for your britches, right? Um, so really focusing on the hardcore fans and, and focusing on season tickets, I think has been has been brilliant. You know, out here in Halifax, anyway, one of the big things that went absolutely swimming, because we all know what happened on the pitch was was not ideal for Halifax. Um, what happened off the pitch was was perfect. Um, the 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 club really integrated itself well into the community, and, and maybe the better way to say that is the community really embraced the club. You can find Wanderers flags. Everywhere I went, I went for an ice cream downtown here the other day, and there was a Wanderers flag in there. Right, mm-hmm. um, the 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 business doesn't have any official dealings with the club, so far as I can tell, they're just excited, right? Um, and I think if you talk to most supporters groups, I think if you go to most CPL cities, uh, you'll see that that the community has really uh, embraced their clubs. I think that's fantastic, and I think that's probably the most important thing to do right. And the league did that right. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, starting small, thinking community, thinking long term, uh, I think I think has been absolutely fantastic on the part of the league. So what were some moments that you saw with the fans and the players? So one of the things that really uh, struck a chord with me is uh, is uh, was Peter Shala's last uh, last game. So so as you likely know, Shala is a a, a U Sports draft. He's a CBU student, uh, Cape Breton University. Uh, who decided to go finish his studies. And the the fact that fans around me were, were really legitimately emotional about seeing this guy leave uh, told me a lot about how, how much the fans had embraced the club. 
and and how the club really mattered to them that there was this this change that in their hearts was significant after you know a few months into a season was was really kind of endearing to me um beyond that i i think i think i've got to give a shout out to privateers 1882 those guys have they've shown up to every game midweek no matter what the weather it's they've been loud and proud and it's been really cool to be part of that um i i really think that's just been phenomenal and and like i said like seeing bumper wanderers bumper stickers around town and seeing the flags and um watching people walk around with with the kid on you see it everywhere um it really it really feels like it's it's part of the city yeah shout out to the fans that showed up during the weekday games especially those on uh wednesday late at night so I, I took one of my coworkers who's from Ottawa. He's, a, he's an Ottawa Fury fan. Uh, he was visiting Halifax on business. So I took him out to a game and I was a bit worried because it was a Wednesday night game. And, you know, I really wanted, I wanted him to see the league for all it could be. And I, fe- I felt like Halifax is a great, you know, a great host city to show him. And yeah, sure enough, it, it took a little while for people to filter in kind of after business hours, but, but eventually the place was full and he kind of said, wow, like on a Wednesday night, like you, you'd never get this at a Fury game. And that that I thought I thought spoke volumes to what was going on uh, here in town and, and and in the league. I think it was just awesome. Now there were some setbacks and things that had us scratching our heads. What did the CPL do wrong, and what do they need to fix? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, a couple things come to mind for me. Um, the the biggest and the one that I think is actually really quite important is fixture congestion. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, I did uh, I did an episode on my podcast a, a while back on the effects on players of playing two games a week versus one game a week. And and the the take home message, the real uh, kicker for me was that there's a, a six fold increase in the risk of injury when players are playing twice a week versus once a week. That's huge. And as you know, it, it, injuries are a known risk when you're when you're in professional sport. That's you know, it kind of comes with the territory. But A, it's dangerous for players, first and foremost. B, um, as players go down, you start to go down and down in the depth chart. The quality of play starts to drop. It, it, it's bad for everyone. The other thing, and I, I, I can't help but but bring it up, is uh, hashtag wipe the lens. So there were quite a number of uh, one soccer broadcasts where you know it rained on the lens. Or, or there were funny, you know, funny angles. These are, but, but I don't worry about that stuff uh, so much because th- these are, these are growing pains. This is a brand new organization trying to get itself sorted out. I mean, heck, it's actually several brand new organizations. You've got the league itself. You've got Canadian soccer business. You've got all the clubs. This is, uh, it's a whole soccer ecosystem that is being created. And it, it's kind of remarkable if you think about it that way, that this season worked at all. Um, when you think about how difficult it is to launch a single startup versus, you know, almost a dozen, it's, it's crazy. Um, so those were some of the growing pains. I expect, I expect that kind of thing will sort itself out. But the, uh, for me, fixture congestion is the one, the one real issue that that needs to be solved. Who else did you see from the U sports draft, uh, that improved? Uh, so if we, if we kind of, if I put my, my wanders cap on, uh, Peter Shala for sure was uh was a star not just you know from the u sports perspective but the guy was just solid he was a fit, a really really reliable uh uh backline player for us this year um privateers 1882 circulated a survey here not not long ago 
to give people kind of a, a, a chance to vote for their fan choice award. And when I voted, Peter Schala, despite not having been with the club for over a month, was like third in the ranking at that time. I, I don't know where he ended up at the end, but that just goes to to show that he had a, a, a real impact on the club. Um, uh, Bona and Oxner were both huge too. I think most people, myself included, expected uh, Jen Michael Williams to be the uh, the hands-down starting goalkeeper for the Wanderers. But Oxner really kind of proved his worth and has come up really pretty big for the Wanderers here recently. I, I think even just the last game against York 9, uh, <laughs> Wanderers' first road win of the season, by the way, uh, Oxner really kept him in it. Um, he, he's, been, he's been excellent. And uh, I think one of the other kind of big benefits of the U sports thing is, is uh, Halifax is a university town. The crowd loves Oxner, right? Uh, they, they, they love seeing a local guy. He's from St. Mary's university. Um, and uh, Scott Firth is the same way. Scott Firth is a, is a local kid. He's uh, a high school kid, actually only just graduated. Um, so that doesn't, uh, doesn't qualify for U sports draft, but picking up, uh, young Canadian talent, local talent, uh, is going to make fans happy. And, and that's, and that's this business, right? You, you keep, keep the fans engaged, keep them happy, show them, show them and show the other kids in the audience that there's a path for a kid playing soccer in high school to play for their local club. That's huge. I think it's huge for the league and huge for legitimizing the sport in Canada. If we look outside of Halifax, there were a couple of players that that really stood out to me. Obviously, Zach Verhoeven uh, deserves some major props. He absolutely proved himself over the course of the season. Um, now, I, I know, I know, he wasn't given an official call up, but he was invited to train with the Canadian men's national team. And uh, Easton Ongaro was only one one goal shy of matching Dominic Malonga, who's you know uh, uh, this this seasoned veteran who spent time in 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 Italy's Serie A, right? Like this is this is phenomenal to see a guy like Angaro, again, who started off the season pretty slow, not getting a lot of minutes, was actually passed up by by the Cavs. Um just just remarkable. So it'll be interesting to see how many of these guys, these high potential guys, stick around next season. Hopefully we get to see, you know, the the Angaros and the the Tristan Borgeses and the Taron Campbells of the world stay for a little while before they get scooped up by uh, by clubs elsewhere. But uh, there's something there's something that's working here, which is very very exciting. Alrighty, final moments here with Patrick Sweet from Northern Ninety. What do you expect is going to happen next year? Uh, so what I'm expecting, um, I, I'm half expecting these and I'm half hoping for these. One is I'm expecting a schedule change. Like I said, David Klanikin's already making noise about that, and uh, I think broad strokes, it's recognized across the league that this is important. Um, the second thing that I'm expecting is for some, for some clubs, I'm expecting significant squad changes. Obviously the teams at the bottom of the table, which uh, frankly, anyone who wasn't, uh, uh, forge or cavalry (laughs) could, could make the case for major squad changes. Um, combined with the fact that most players are on one year contracts, I, I expect to see quite a bit of churn. Um, and what I'm hoping for and what I what I really am expecting is better parity next year. I don't expect there to be kind of this biphasic top two versus bottom five, which uh, which was very much the case both in the spring and fall seasons. So uh, lots to look forward to. All righty. And who's going to win the finals, Cavalry or Forge? 
Uh, it's going to be a tight, a tight two-legged affair, but it's going to go to uh, Calgary, uh, 4-3 on aggregate. Thank you so much, Patrick. That's Patrick Sweet from the Northern 90 Podcast. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. That'll do it for the sixth episode. Thanks so much for listening. And if you're in the mood for some Canadian soccer talk, give the young gaffers in Northern 90 a listen to. Lots of awesome material there. Don't forget to subscribe to Inside the Tunnel and follow us on Instagram at Inside the Tunnel Podcast.